Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckinistas? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my show. This is my podcast, WTF, with me, Mark Marin. Thank you for listening. Happy 4th of July. Keep it happy. Don't lose any digits. Don't get killed in some dumb way. Don't drive all fucked up. Keep alert for those others who are not heeding my advice or or didn't necessarily hear it and they might not know not to drive all fucked up. Try not to eat too much shit that you're going to feel horrible for for too long a time. Don't set fire to anything. Don't blow up any small animals. All right? Don't go down the slippery moral slope to like, do you think that thing will, will burn? Can you catch it? Don't do that. Those days are behind you. All right? If you've got really fun fireworks just be you know be careful with the kids you're a grown-up you know be a careless asshole if you want but just not when kids are around if you want to shoot roman candles at each other because you're all shit-faced you're just getting excited because there's things blowing up and light and fire and sounds and it's so fun and you just want to just keep blowing shit up and it's awesome do it but you know just do it as a grown-up only be dangerous with grown-up friends. If there are children around, limit the danger for them. But like, if you're just on your own and you don't have kids, knock yourself out. But again, don't die in some stupid way. Years ago, I didn't realize that you could uh, shoot Roman candles at each other. It's not on the label. It's not recommended. I don't even think they're fucking legal in this country, to be honest with you. But that doesn't stop anything from happening here, Right? Me and Nick Schwartzen at Zach Galifianakis's party about over a decade ago down in Venice just started fucking shooting Roman candles at each other, setting shit on fire, you know, in a controlled way. There, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. I haven't been to a, a party where there was massive amounts of fireworks. Oh, man. I'm a 52-year-old man, and I'm not really prone to, uh, to guns or explosions but man, if you show up with a bag of shit that lights up and blows up and spins fire and sparks, I am fucking there with the lighter. Happy 4th of July. Think about your freedoms today, right? Meditate on that. Think about what they really are. Think about your life. Really ponder the lie you're living out of necessity so you don't walk through the streets 
terrified and sad. Oh, that's not that that got away from me. So look, today Jeff Goldblum is on the show. It's a real thrill to talk to him because I really, you know, he's one of those guys. No matter how many movies he's been in, uh, or whether you really know all his movies, you know him. He's just one of those people that's been familiar. He's been there for all of us somehow for years. You see him and you're like, there's Jeff Goldblum acting like Jeff Goldblum. And I wanted him to be Jeff Goldblum like immediately. And and he delivered. He showed up up in my house. He walked in. He's like, oh, okay, this is it, huh? This is, ah, yeah, the house. Where's the, the garage? This is, you'll hear it. He Jeff Goldblum's the shit out of this episode. So consistent, so beautiful. Great guy, great actor and a creative person. I enjoyed seeing him and having him around. I wanted to be around him more. I would have been fine if he moved in, but he's got a a baby. His baby turns one year old today on Independence Day and his movie Independence Day Resurgence is now in theaters. It's out, but today's a day. And his kid, his kid is one year old today. The Goldblum kid, happy birthday to him. And uh, we'll talk to Jeff in a little while. Uh, my tour dates. I, You know, I keep doing this because I think it's important that I do it because I'm not really, uh, I'm not doing the Facebook thing really. I'm doing Twitter, but the Facebook thing, I don't, there's something suspect about the whole business. Spokane. Uh, this weekend, this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, 7, 8, and 9. Wise Guys in Salt Lake City, 14, 15, and 16 of July. The Comedy Attic in Bloomington, the 28th, 29th, and 30th of July. And then we take a little leap to August, August 18th and 19th and 20th at Stand Up Live in Phoenix. I'll be in Albuquerque September 3rd for one night at the Albuquerque Journal Theater doing a benefit. I'll be at the Comedy Club in Rochester September 9th and 10th, and those are the dates that are up right now. There will be more. I'm doing club dates to uh, get my shit straight, to get to work it out and to, uh, to engage with the people. So I told you guys about that kitten. Well, the kitten is uh, you know being uh, fed and, uh, and uh, sort of loved over at Sarah's house, and we're going to make the move over here, but we couldn't do it. I couldn't take the kitten right in because I got two indoor cats. I, I needed to prepare to integrate a kitten that it turns out is a, you know not feral, but very lovable. And I'm going to now tell you the new kitten's name. Uh, I will be welcoming Buster into my home later today. That's a Buster the black cat. All black cat. Buster. Buster, buddy. Buster. What's up, Buster? It's good. It's good. He looks like a buster. Showed up on my stoop. You know, vulnerable little cat out of nowhere. There's no other kittens around. This fucker just finds my goddamn porch. All right? So it was meant to be. But I only got two rooms in my house. The second bedroom, there's a closet in there. All my records in there. And that means, like, all of that could be destroyed. Kittens will destroy everything. It's it's profound. You don't know how it happens. You've got this little cat, little tiny cat, not much bigger than your hand. You close that door and you're like, okay, see you tomorrow, Buster. See you tomorrow. Maybe you hear some sounds and you're like, well, what's that? What's going on? The next morning you wake up, a thousand records are destroyed. All of your shoes are fucked up. The light fixture is dangling. 
You know, there there are things that you didn't know you had still that now you have to throw away. Kittens will fuck shit up. I know that from experience. So I had to go down to Best Hardware, got to buy some plywood, got to get it cut. So I made some makeshift uh, protectors of my record shelves. I had to get a, uh, had to create, Dennis and I collaborated on the design of a door, uh, a not stop, but blocker, the bottom of my old door has a little too much space where the cat could get through. So we created out of a two by four and a leftover piece of plywood, a little thing that you can block that hole with. I, I measured it. He cut the wood. He fucking screwed it together and even threw a coat of spray paint on there. So I got that all set. Now I got to get the doorknob fixed because it's missing a thing. And, uh, and then we're, we're good to go. Everything should be kitten proofed and Buster can move in. So here we go. Jeff Goldblum, I, you know, I, uh, Lake Bell had put me in touch with him. I tried to get him on the show uh, for a while. We were sort of randomly texting each other here and there, and it finally happened. And I was very excited to talk to him. Um, I, don't, I think I forgot to talk to him about music, though. But that's all right. I saw him playing. He's a very good piano player. But we had a beautiful conversation. Uh, so why don't we just do that? Why don't we just listen to me and Jeff Goldblum? And again, be sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts careful you look great do you think so yeah thank, it's thank a, it's you. A, so do you it's one of these uh you're one of those guys where i'm like wow he still looks uh great how is you know that's great that he looks so good thank you my friend is that did i say thank that you. wrong was that bad no no yeah. no it was that's only flattering no and that's still part i know what you're talking about no, that's 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 just stating the facts you know i've just been i i, I could look a lot worse yeah given the, the chronology that's correct but you look look at you you look like a a 70s movie star you look like you know young elliot gould from oh, you know elliot gould yeah oh my you know. god did you did, did you ever work with elliot gould you know um y- 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 no no and yes i mean i appeared our paths crossed but we weren't in the same scenes together oh an in, altman movie in a couple of altman movies my first altman movie which was my jesus second movie ever uh after death wish was california split right did you ever see that yeah that's kind of what you look he had kind of a did he have a mustache a longer thing i think he had he, a longer thing and he did he and what, what did you do in that what did you have? oh you know i had two scenes where i'm george siegel's boss a kind of a wunderkind uh, editor of this magazine yeah 
called California Scene, S-E-E-N. Right, right, right. And he's, you know, screwing off and gambling, da 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 and I, I have a scene where I'm kind of... You were like king of the little scenes for a while there. Yeah, I was never king of anything, but I was in a couple <laughs> little scenes here. So we were in that movie together, and then he appeared as himself uh, in, in Nashville. Right. And I had a little scene or two in, in that. You were the guy in the bike. Yeah. Right the on, the, on, on the on the it was tricycle a, on the big tricycle know, the tricycle man on the big tricycle with the big goggles on exactly doing um, sleight of hand here and there. Did you are you did you know how to do that? I did not. And Robert Altman in this script, uh, uh, you know, it had no magic for this character. But he called me up and said I was living in New York then, in West <laughs> Village. He said, you know, hey, do you know any sleight of hand? Uh-huh. I said no. He said, well, get together with a coach. We'll find you a coach or in New York. And uh, learn some. Bring a bag full of them down to Nashville when you come down, and uh, and maybe we'll put them in some scenes. And I did. When I got there, I showed him my tricks. I yeah. worked with this guy Co Norton, and uh, he said, "Okay, good. I'm not sure where we'll put him, but bring him to the set every time you work, and and we'll figure it out." And I put him in a bunch of scenes. And a couple of them made it in, and then I discarded all of them. But I kept practicing, and I can still do my rope tricks. Yeah, a series of you know, here's the knot, there's that not the knot, itself. and that done does itself. Yeah. Uh, well, which I've snuck in a couple of other movies. Oh, really? Yes, I have. Isn't it, but isn't it interesting because like somehow or another, he like at, in in the context of that huge movie, yeah. hours long, yeah. dozens of characters. Yeah. Your character, in my memory, reappears quite a bit. I do. Yep. Uh, that you know, you're just sort of this this presence that that sort of moves through you know different points in the movie. Yeah. But like he was sitting up some at night. And he had, he, you were very specific. You were on this giant tricycle. You were, you know, this a clown almost in a way. Hmm, interesting. Uh, uh, okay. With the big goggles. No, not in a okay. bad way that yes, there was a yes. comedic presence to it. Yeah, yeah. And, some, and he just wakes up one night and goes, that guy needs to be doing tricks. <laughs> you know, like it was yeah. a decision. Well, you're you're right. His interest in creative. I mean, I love the creative, yeah. you know, inspiration anyway. And he was a an exemplar. Of a guy who, who was mysteriously talented and imaginative and unique and self-trustful and uh, went with his own ideas. Well, what was it like being on, a, on one of those sets? Because you did a couple of his movies. Like, was it a, yeah. like, uh, was everybody, what, did, you, did you know where the movie stopped and where real life sort of began? Or was everybody hanging out with each other? And uh, Hanging out, exactly. Yeah. That's what he, like, uh, you know, recently Wes Anderson, who mm-hmm. I think is a fan of his, they, they, are, they like to, and Robert Altman liked to make the shooting an art piece in itself uh-huh. and he called his production company sand castle uh, uh films or something like that because he had a the, the, the metaphor of what we're doing is really like we were making sand castles right and and uh you do the moat this time and you do the bridge this time and you do the tower this time and just for the fun of it and of course the Water will come in and take it all away, but we got, had a reason to get together uh-huh. just to be together so and, sort make, of, and make something together just for the fun of it. That, that was a looseness then, uh, in yes, a way. There, there sure was a looseness, but there was a an intended, uh, co- uh, you know, communion communality yeah, yeah. and uh, spirit and we would he would for instance show the dailies every night and invite everybody really and it was a great great yeah because he said you know that's the movie once we pretty it up and cut it up that's something else but this is our work let's we all did it equally let's oh. all look at our work and, really and, yes it was de- delightful it, it was, was like a real a, party. almost a party it was a real party he was a kind of par- party guy yeah uh, but very creative and um 
And in Nashville, we, we all lived in the same complex. So it was a real summer, uh, you know, hoop de doo And Wes does vacation. that too because Wes, like stylistically, I would say, is almost the polar opposite. Very meticulous. Yeah, it's, very every, every, it's like every frame is like a jewelry box. That's right. It's been said. That's right. You ever read that? Uh, oh, yeah. See? Someone said that, right? Yeah. Well, you know, Michael Chabon. Oh, is he I the one who said it? The pal. jewelry box? Well, he makes a very, yes, he equates him with who's that guy now who does those boxes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, An artist. Art, art boxes. Yeah. yeah, I'm forgetting now. But and, Wes, but how controlled is that Wes, set? Well, it's controlled. So we were taught, so what got us into this yeah. was that they both have the same spirit, but some of their other elements are very different. Y- yes, uh, uh, um, Altman was like, you know, a painter that just kind of made it up as he went along and the painting process produced the the painting and what does it feel like? What do I feel like doing now? And, yeah. da, 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 and then just kind of organic, very organically kind of uh, reveals itself. Uh, Wes has a, has drawings and he's written everything <laughs> yeah. and he's drawn out and described the costumes and uh-huh. he knows exactly what it And, um, I, and it's it's all that I could tell you. For instance, on uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, I had a couple of big speeches, and I, yeah. I'm nothing if not conscientious, and I'd practiced them. And in one, I knew he was meticulous. I'd done that, you know, um, so Life Aquatic. Yeah, and uh, and I cha- I thought, ah, you know, I, I like a little of this the phrasing of this one <laughs> sentence. I'm going to change this. I think it was an and to a but or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And and I practiced it, and I did, and I thought, oh, here's the way. And then I got to the set. And and we did. I didn't. I didn't tell him. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. Again. He said, "Yeah, very good. Okay, let's do it again." Say, Jeff. Um, did you? Uh, I think you changed one thing. That's a, yes, I did. Um, can I tell you why? Because I've got. It's not just uh, higgledy right, right. piggledy. It's yeah. a, here's my reason. Because I thought he said, "Uh huh, uh huh." Very interesting. Okay, I think do it my way. Do it, do it my way, if you will. Okay, I, I got you. I will. Like, like that. So he's very, very magician. But within that, yeah. um, he's somehow Altman-esque in his freedom, yeah. somehow an enjoyment of you and somehow collaborative uh-huh. encouragement. Uh, but what's like, the experience like as an actor when, you know, you are working, when you're walking into a scene that is so meticulously organized, you know, you... Because you bring a certain amount, of, you know, you're you're uniquely yourself. There's, there's, you know what I mean. When you see you, yeah. or even if you hear your voice, you're like, "That's oh, just Jeff Goldblum." Hey, you're like, there's always, you hey, know, you're one you. of those guys. Well, I like to be able to. I, I like to think that I, I'm able to ca- characterize, of course, you know, and drop of course. some of these. Uh, uh, but your intensity, s- stupid affectations, the, the, you know? the life frequency that is yes. Goldblum-esque. Well, okay, stay steady. I accept it. And okay. uh, so, when you're working with, what is the thrill then? Like there, there must be some excitement, you know, like working with someone like Altman, where they're just sort of like, "All right, hang out, man. Let's just hang out," which was the, a part of the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. that was culture at that time. Yeah. But I imagine the excitement of working with someone like Wes is like, "This is so organized that it's going to be spectacular." Like, he, it's not all hinging on me. It's part of it's hinging on that light. Like you know, like the, you're like in the, like. Oh a, yes, yeah. You feel very well taken care of, and you trust. But of course, Altman in, a, in another way, uh, so that you can kind of do anything, yeah, and right. then he'll 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 cut it up into something uh, nice, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, but uh, but Wes in another way, you go, wow, everything is. I'm given every 
help that I uh, can uh, be given, what with my gla- perfect oh, yeah, yeah. glasses yeah. and my very thought about hair and goatee and da 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 and the light and the great c- cinematographer Bob Yeoman, you know. Yeah, uh, and where did you guys shoot that? Uh, we shot that kind of not unlike the experience in Nashville in 1973. We shot it in Gerlitz, Germany. Mm. He likes to go on these exotic adventures on Life Aquatic. We were in Rome. We we, we shot at Cinecittà, and then in Gore Vidal's villa in the south of uh, Italy. How, how did that happen? Oh, I you know he knows many sophisticates. You know, yeah. in many different was uh, Gore around layers of no. I'd met him on another occasion because he's a relative of Burr Steers, uh-huh. uh, and I think they're all relative, related to Aaron Burr. Right, goes back. Uh, goes back. I just saw that Hamilton musical. I did too. Do you hey, like it? Yes, I did. Did you? Yes, very exciting. Very exciting. Did you talk to? Uh, uh, I went backstage. He couldn't have been nicer to me. Sweet guy. Very, very sweet and wildly talented. Yeah. Did you? Um, are, are you a, a hip hop person in general? No, not really. But no, we're we're a little older, and it's not a matter of age. But you do have to listen. Do you know that was the interesting thing about Hamilton? If you don't grow up with with yeah, hip hop or yeah, rap, yes. where it's second nature to just yeah. take in the narrative. Like yeah. I, I really was like, all right, I gotta, yeah, I gotta lock hey, in. Listen, it's, I know what you mean. I like to even in a movie and any kind of movie, no matter how slowly they're talking, I like to see the words. I like to read along with it. Do you know? You? Yes, I do. It's not that I'm going deep for anything like that, but I like to. Well, I'm an actor, so I like to say, hey. Well, when I, I like to see it on the page. Yeah. So I like to I like to see it. I like to read it. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's in and that, Yeah. And that Hamilton, you really uh, need to lock in. Yeah. You got to lock in. I, I could have. I could see it again now. And uh, and I could study the CD tickets. so I could really know exactly <laughs> what they're talking about. Not miss a word. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like Shakespeare. And then um, and of course, learn a little bit more about history. Right. Who to which they're referring. How I'd are like you with Shakespeare? That. Well, in what's in what sense? I'm uh, I did uh, a little here and there. My very first job was Two Gents, a musical version of Two Gentlemen of Verona, written by Galt McDermott, who did Hair, when was and this? John Guare, who adapted John Guare, who did uh, the, the Atlantic City, House of Blue Leaves, oh, Atlantic City with yeah. Susan Sarandon, yes, sir. with who was in that movie that I was just about to refer to with Burr Steers because he uh, wrote and directed this movie called Igby Goes Down, yes. So Susan Sarandon or Sarandon. Yeah, Sarandon, I think, right? Whichever she prefers. Well, I've heard both. I guess it's Sarandon. She was in here for a minute. What? Yeah, that was good. I'll bet it was. She's delightful. I love her. What did she say and what did you say? She's very, um, like, she's uh, the very, uh, I guess it's the term that you would use and I think you can still use is free-spirited. It, free spirit in, in 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 a very true sense that you know yeah. you get the sense that like no oh, she'll talk about anything I, I wish i had more time you know, like it was yeah. one of those things where she had to be somewhere and yeah. and they came a little late and i just realized talking to her i'm like i could she would just she'd tell she'd talk about anything really but really? yeah even pu- publicly so you got the sense uh, she's just not ashamed of anything and and she she owns her past proudly all of it that, isn't that interesting i don't know it's rare all, all about her past Chris, Chris Sarandon, you know, was in Two Gents. Yes. Listen to this and how this doubles back on itself. Chris Sarandon was in Two With Gents. With you. Yeah, once we went to Broadway out of the Joe Papp's Delacorte Theater. Mm-hmm. Then we went to Broadway and he was in it for a time. So was Stockard Channing. Ooh. Yeah. She, she turned out to be a real stage actress. She certainly did. She's like, a, and she can belt out a tune, right? 
I if think necessary. she's got a good set of pipes. I went, I played, I play piano, you know, so I played I saw you at the memorial. It was very touching when we walked oh, in at Gary's memorial. You were there. Yeah. Thank you very much. Is it me or is it is somebody knocking on our door? Yes. <laughs> Maybe there's a wildfire out, uh, blazing out, uh, about to consume us. Oh, he's he's paying the the, the pizza delivery. Oh, oh, this must be the house the housekeeper. She seemed delightful. What's her name? Lupe. Lupe seems seems delightful. I've never talked about her on the microphones. So really, yes, she's very delightful, and she, she, she delightful. she's very wonderful. Yeah. And uh, she comes once a week, and and I'm not even that much of a pig, but it's a pleasure. For years, I never thought like I ne- like I remember when I was married, and this might be part of the reason I'm not uh, that the wife at yeah. that time would say, you know, maybe we should have someone come in and clean. I'm like, we're not those people. We're not people who need uh, cleaning people. Right. We're, you know, this is a small house. Right. And uh, I didn't do that. She was also the woman who said, we should get central air. I'm like, that sounds like a hassle. <laughs> it's a small house. It's not hot for that many months. Ooh. In retrospect, had I done both of those things, which I eventually did, yeah. perhaps I would still be married. Really? If I'd stopped yelling. There's other issues, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I want to hear everything. Oh, you I do? Mean, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. So wait, yes, two I gents. Do. Two gents. So wait, where did we you grow up? In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Who else is from there? Michael Keaton, my friend Michael Jerry Stahl. Keaton. Jerry Stahl. Mm-hmm. Who's Jerry Stahl? The writer of Permanent Midnight. Oh, uh, yeah. Permanent Midnight. Yeah. Ben Stiller. Yes, he played Jerry Stahl in oh, Permanent Midnight. I'll be darn. He grew up in Pittsburgh. I've met a few people from Pittsburgh. I don't have a sense of it as uh, what it might have been like when it was a working class, perhaps city on the decline. It's a little, uh, it's gotten a little influx of money. It seems a little better now. I guess so. I wonder why. I was just talking last night to somebody. I should go there. Uh-huh. Uh, they should give you a street or something. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> Gold but, Blum Lane. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> it's yeah. over there by the old mill. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the, the old, old steel processing place. Mill. Yeah. It was, you know, when I grew up, it was it was smoky and evocative. Yeah. You know? Well, how'd you end up there? What was the family doing? How'd they land there? Oh, you know, uh. You know, my dad's dad named uh-huh. Pavartsik from Russia. Pavartsik? Yep. See, I'm this not, is I'm why. I'm not Goldblum. I'm Pavartsik. That's your last name? Pavartsik. That's, well, it's not. It was never my last name, but it was. That's the family name. That was my dad's dad's name. I knew that we. Like, I knew that I would get. I. I, I got along with you before you got here. Yeah, me too. You. It's because we're Russian Jews. Is that it? I think you're, so. You're all Russians because because my mom's Russian dad Polish. was Austrian. Oh, that so seemed my mom's Russian. my mom's dad from his roots are in Austria. So we're you know we're, we're brothers, we're cousins, cousins. exactly. Right. The same genetics. Did you ever get that genetic thing done? I'm getting it done. Yes, you did. You got it done. Well, yes, very elaborately because we just had a child. I just had my first child. We wanted to get pregnant, and we got pregnant with my now uh, beautiful wife Emily. Uh, Goldblum, yeah. and um, and so we got everything that one can do, uh, you know, testing whether we were compatible genetically and all that. But you did the, the whole DNA the, history thing. Every, oh, that I didn't do just for the sake of uh, like good, you go back, oh. you can find the town. Oh, that I didn't do. Nor have I looked up, you know, roots, anything yeah. like tree right. roots. So I don't know anything besides the one dad and the other dad. And right. I don't even know whether they're from Minsk or Pinsk or anything about right. that. Right. So that would be interesting. I should do that, but. Then yeah, I just saw that you can do the whole a whole DNA thing. So okay, so what name? Give me so, the name again. The DNA. So Pavartsik. Pavartsik. Yeah, and then we just—I was saying—we just had this the child baby. who was born Independence Day, by the way. Charlie uh, Ocean. Is he uh, a year? 
He's a, he'll be a year in, in, in July know, 4th, 4th. 4th of July. And your movie comes out. The events of the movie happen on the 2nd, 3rd, That's 4th right. of July. That's right. It's all coming together. It's, uh, Somehow, if we can tie the two gents into this, it's going to be amazing. It's, it's going to be one of those serendipitous well, we're interviews. The, we're right? the two gents. Yes, we're we are. Oh, that's right. Gens. That's yeah. right. And we're yeah. speaking not regular non-Shakespearean English. Yeah. That's right. You know who the but we're kind of hip hoppy, you know. You know which is the new Shakespeare. You, you know who the two gents were. I wonder which one you'd be. One is called Valentine, and one is called Pro, Proteus. Is that yeah. it? Yeah. I don't know. Were they? Is it a good cop, bad cop? Is there? A, is it a comedy team situation where there's a doofus and a straight man? How does it work? Oh, I like that doof doofus. Oh, you mean just doofus? You don't mean goofus and gallant? You know who goofus and gallant is? That's, That's a, who we should play. Comic strip, wasn't it? No, it was kind of those children's kind of. Oh, magazines right, right. that yeah, you'd yeah, see yeah. in right. offices and one would goof gallant would do all the right things yeah. goofus would do all the wrong so things. goofus was the doofus yeah that's exactly <laughs> right uh, v- v- you are a poet and you don't know it but your feet show it can you finish that uh and uh, no they're long fellows oh okay. now you're of course wearing sandals i, I uh, yeah it's Some hot be- it's hot jeff it's no hot. you don't have to be ashamed of anything just I'm like Susan these, these aren't birkenstocks and they're you know i've no, committed no. to them yeah, they're very, very beautiful. Thank you. There's nothing wrong with... Uh, a lot of people think that an adult You're getting man... getting a lot out of me. The cleaning lady and the, sla- and the sandals. <laughs> this interview is moving more in your direction than mine. No, no. no. I you're, like You're it. getting it out of me. I like All the secrets. I'll tell you everything. I'm an open-faced sandwich, you know. <laughs> An open-faced Reuben. Yeah, I'd love a Reuben sandwich. I haven't had that in a million years. <laughs> you you uh, hot scared of it? Beef. Well, it's not exactly on my bullseye regime. Uh, yeah, well, do you ever treat yourself? You seem to be fairly um, healthy Fair, to the point where it looks like you, you spend a little time doing it. Yeah, a little time. I, I, I do it. I'm conscientious. I kind of put in my time. But uh, I sure like... And I, yeah, I, I, I cheat here and there. I would, if I thought that Reuben sitting in front of us, if there was one, was the best one, you know, it shouldn't right. be missed, I'd have a bite or two of right. it. But can you imagine hot... I remember when I first... I think my mom and I went out for a date. In Pittsburgh? Yeah. They had a deli? Was, yeah, someplace. I'd said, what's a Reuben sandwich? Yeah. You know, I remember when I first sure. discovered She said, oh, it's a thing. You know, it's old face. It's got right. sauerkraut. It's hot. I think melted cheese. I yeah. melted Swiss cheese. Oh. Try it. Really? Yeah. And then it came. Oh, my God. That's that great. I love food. I, I loved it then, and I, I, I love I it now. I had a similar experience with a Reuben, where it was like, this is amazing. Really? You know what the other deli item that, like, you know, that sort of changed my life with my, uh, my grandmother would take me? was um diner rice pudding the you know the the <gasps> creamy kind my language oh man uh, oh jesus that right? might be my if i was going to be executed uh, that might be right. on the with a little menu. bit of cinnamon and and oh. some of the top that gets a little uh oh. you know tough oh. oh my god right that's that's <laughs> delicious it's, you can't get it it's no. hard to find like really? the mexicans have a version of it of that very specific rice pudding mm-hmm. i've made it at home it's not baked it's done on the stovetop you know oh, where yeah. it thickens with the sugar and the actual rice oh, yeah. but in the diner you'd go in and you could look in the in the the window in the trays I remember. and you'd see it at the, at the bottom like they got it it'd be like rice pudding tapioca pudding oh, and maybe I, some bread pudding i love tapioca pudding i love bread pudding how about at musso and frank's they have of diplomat pudding, which is, I think, only there, which is bread pudding with some extra, like, raspberry sauce on Yo. it. That's dip- you're the diplomat, then. Yeah. If you have, yeah. You're important. You're important. I think if I had a show business t- title. Yeah. I, wouldn't I couldn't I be the diplomat sure yes. that's not taken is it you no, know, you're Frank very diplomatic. Sinatra, I'm not the chairman of the board no. I'm not the no. king 
You can be the diplomat. I might be the diplomat. They should do it in your intro when you play music. <laughs> Please welcome the, dip- the diplomat, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. So you're in Pittsburgh eating Rubens with your mother in an yeah. unknown deli. Yes. And your father's father was from Russia and had a beautiful name, which was Pavartsik. Pavartsik. And yeah. your grandfather did what? Uh, was he in dry goods? Oh, Shmatas? my. You know, he what? had. A, he came over here. My dad was sort of. Well, uh, let's not let's not get into that. But he, no, but let's Joseph, just a little, give me but, a sense of what well, we're not you know, getting he into. He was not so. I think in that generation yeah. of American Jews, yeah. um, they were they wanted to assimilate. Right, pass. And, yeah, how do you pass? Get rid of that name. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had Goldblum. Gold <laughs> Luckily, he didn't. I'm glad he didn't. You know, bastardize it anymore. Um, but, uh, but I think his dad who was selling, who had a little candy store yeah. and sold some luggage, didn't really want to drive, learn to drive mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, so he had a store with bags and, yeah, bags and, luggage. and candy. I never saw it. I met Tut, candy. Tut, we called yeah. him, you know, Tut, Tut, sure. Tut, Killer, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe Goldblum. And, um, and but he was there. We didn't go over and visit them much. He oh. and Bubby, you know, Lillian. Because your dad didn't want to. Well, mm-hmm. didn't didn't want to. And then he had a he had a younger brother, Chucky. Yeah. Who died? Who he loved? Um. Who was a big? Who looked like me? Yeah. Was my height? Yeah. And was a basketball star in um, Westminster College, and where there's many clippings one could see in, in Pennsylvania. I don't know where it was. And would have been in the NBA. Really? They said, yep. And then he uh, volunteered for World War II. And he went, his plane went down and never found. Oh. Uh, Chucky. And that's why we named our boy, Charlie. Your son. His name. Your new yes, son. Yes, after Ch- oh, Chucky. Believe great. it or not. Yeah. But so his family, he would always be a little, his mom, we'd go over to their house your grandparents. My grandparents. He didn't like the smell so much. And oh, right, it, right, right. You know. My, and fam- my family, my parents were so, sort of the same. You'd so go back yeah. and you'd see, have this window into their past, but it yes. was like, and that was really, that was really the, the birth of, of what we know as American Jews of that thing. That's why we know what Kishka is. That's why we know what Kasha is. Yeah. That's why we know, you know, that these deli things that, that allowed arguments, there's great scenes in like in, in in Annie Hall, which you were in for for yeah. an amazing second. Thank you. Uh, you know the the families so going back to Coney Island. Yeah. That you know that that narrative has been sort of really kind of explored. His, his father, Woody Allen's father, as a kid in that movie, is played by Mordecai Lawner. Yeah. Who taught the who's taught who studied with Sandy Meisner, mm-hmm. taught that method, and wound up in Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, 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 and I took a six week summer course between ninth and tenth and tenth eleventh grade. And that was the first exposure I had to something like the Sandy Meisner improvisational method. With that actor, Mordecai. Yes, with Mordecai Lawner who was teaching. Yes. And She's poor. She can steal from us. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's the wonderful Mordecai Lawner. But we were, wait, wait, let, let's back try to yeah. get out of this cul-de-sac. So we'd go back and the, they had pictures of Chucky Goldblum mm. and... Uh, and they said, "Oh, he's he was never found, but he's he's going to come back." Oh, they believed that. And my dad was always like, kind of mad. And well, maybe that was ashamed. another reason why he didn't like to go over there. Was that you know the sort of like the grief well, mixed with the expectation? There was plenty of subterranean and judging un- him against the dead one. Yes, unexcavated all yeah. lots of things. Oh, I'm sure yeah. that were hidden in the Jewish David Lynchian yeah. way. You know, just under the 
surface. And then when I started to play, looked like his brother started to play basketball myself. I was kind of athletic. Yeah. And then went into acting. He wanted to be, they said he, he said he wanted to either be to get himself out of this condition and to rise up and to be an American. Uh, uh, he was going to either be a doctor your father as one did or an actor mm. he got into his head stuck his head in the back of those car- are the options yes <laughs> yeah. stuck his head in the back of a class of carnegie tech which was then called carnegie Mellon university and and said he were he then reported to, to us uh that it was out of my league he said whatever that meant right but so you know fast forward and me being titillated by and very inspired did and, he go and, into show business he did not no what did he do he was a doctor your dad was a doctor he was a doctor so he, tra- he, ta- he took a little Look a look at the class. That's so uh, funny because the doctor one is 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 strongly condoned by the uh, the Jewish elders. Yes. The other is like, "What are you doing?" Yes, yeah. e- except yeah, except if you make it as Philip Roth says, right. you know, in Port Noise Complaint, I think it's even better than a doctor if you're on the Johnny Carson. Sure, you know, hey, look, he <laughs> was on him. the Johnny. That's him. That He's was the him. only way they knew you were a popular. Yeah, something like that. It's very yeah. funny now with so many different TV outlets, it, like to the point where like I finally I've got four seasons of a TV show and I still got a father is like i don't get it. i don't know where to watch it right do i get it can you imagine yeah, really the, your dad does that where where is he in new jersey no he's in new mexico, new mexico. no one's in new jersey anymore what's he doing in new mexico no that's where we shot independence day in albuquerque yeah where, i grew up in albuquerque you you did yeah oh my gosh that's where i spent the, this last a year ago this summer well they got that great uh, facility there now the studio that's where we yeah. were yeah. in those big sound stages. Yeah. We had five or six of those enormous sound stages. Yeah, yeah. But no kidding, you grew up there. Didn't Gary Shandling grow? He was in Phoenix, Phoenix yeah. Arizona. But no Southwestern sort of Jews. Southwestern Jews. You got brothers and sisters? Yes. Well, I had. there were four of us originally. Um, not unlike my dad, my brother, whom I adored four years older than me, Rick, uh, died when he was 23. Oh. Unfortunately, in 1970. How? He, was tra- he was a kind of a truth seeker and adventurer and a Hemingway-esque, you know, wannabe writer. So, but that was a 60s thing. Uh, so, yes, yeah. that, that's right. You, you get the idea. And he was tra- traveling around. He was in North Africa, uh-huh. like Casablanca, Agadir, oh, really? Morocco. Yeah. And kind Doing of, the beatnik thing. Yes, kind of hippie, early yeah. hippie, uh, beatnik, kind of bumming around on a beach mm. uh, kind of thing. Got a quick something or other and died very quickly. Of a disease. Shockingly, yep. A virus, a bacteria. Something like that. No kidding. Yeah, kidney failure finally. Yeah. It's horrible. Har- har- horrible. And horrible. you were like 20? I was 19. He was 23. And he was the guy that was guiding you through. Well, yes, the, he, the life. That's right. The he music. Was, when I for that's right. He first uh, he moved out of the house. You know, and yeah. got a kind of a pad right. in Pittsburgh. Was at in college and. Um, and was starting to talk funny uh-huh. and talked about in 1960, what was this, seven or something like that, counterculture, what, what's that counterculture? And then uh, I went over to his place and he put on, I think, one of the Beatles albums that just come out, like the, uh, you know, not the White Album, I'll bet this was Abbey Ma- Road. Magical Mystery oh, yeah, Tour, yeah. and put that on and we just smoked hash. Yeah. 
which was uh, probably powerful. And I'd never done anything, so it was like tripping. Were you later. sort of a nerdy athletic kid? I was. I played ball. I was, you know, athletic. I was good, but I, I was never on a team. But I played all day, all lo- along with my neighborhood friends. Every sport, I like that. But I was already playing piano. Yeah. And kind of interested in acting, maybe. And I don't know. But uh, but he turned me on to all that. And yeah. Girl, you know, he was already kind of a handsome guy, and you know, with the girls. So I, yes, he was kind of guy, guy guiding me. I I looked up to him terrifically. So then he died. I went to New York, horrible. and I was in this Broadway show. I was in Two Gents on Broadway when I got this horrible news. And then that, uh, and then uh, uh, there's my other brother Lee, who was around until a couple of years ago, died Did finally he? at sixty. Yeah, he was five years older than me. Uh, he kind of was. Back in Pittsburgh, mm. very close to my mom, and uh, we could talk about him, but a very sweet, sweet uh, guy. And then there's my sister, who's still around, uh, Pam, two years younger, Pam, yeah. a wonderful uh, girl, a painter, oh. very wonderful artist, who yeah. paints with her husband, Jeffrey Kaisershot, another painter, and uh, they both teach at this point. Very, I'm uh, dating a painter. Too. Painters are an interesting people. Really, mm-hmm. you are. I think so too. You're, you're. How long have you been going with this? A uh, couple girl? years, almost. What's her name? Uh, Sarah Kane. Sarah Kane. Yeah, she's uh, she's preparing for a show in uh, New York in September. Really? Yeah, at La Longue Gallery, uh, La Longue. And what kind of stuff does she paint? Abstract, yeah. big. Really? Like things that are in, just like, where does that come from? Like very impressive. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Does she? She doesn't live here. Yeah, she does. Oh, she does. She lives down the street. Oh, really? Kinda. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, and sometimes not. But you've only been going together for two years. Yes. What what could be going wrong uh, so far? I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. Uh, what always goes wrong? So crazy after all these, these years. years. I love that song. Yeah. That's kind of a touching song, isn't Very. it? Very well. Neil, uh, he's a good. Uh, he's a good artist. Paul, that Paul Simon. Simon. He is does all right for himself. He sure does. Uh-huh. And we had a chance to you know shoot the breeze a little bit at one did of these uh, things we did. Yeah, a little shared charity event that I did where I played the piano and. Uh, yeah, we, he's very open and available. We got to talking about every little thing yeah. in the time we had. Also yeah. in Annie Hall. Yes, exactly. And not far from where you were. You must have had Our scenes. scene interests. I'm in the same scene. The same At his little, house. Little, that's right. It's his house. This the shot, you know, tracking shot goes yeah. by him, and he's showing Woody yeah. Allen around and his girlfriend. And then it stops on me at the end of the scene. I'm I forgot the, my mantra. I forgot my mantra on the phone. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But how do we and get into You delivered into it so Jeff Goldblum-like. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. How do we get into there? Wait a minute, Paul. So your mom's still around? Oh, so you're crazy after all these years. Yeah. That's right. You're Mom's my mom around? knew. My dad died in 83 at yeah. the age of 63. Oh, my God. That's right. Big heart attack. Like many uh, males in our family, my mom's dad died in his 40s or 50s. Oh, I never boy. met him. Sam Tamellis. And then uh, uh, Joe Gold, Goldblum Pavartsik. Goldblum died, uh, you know. Heart was attack his, was a thing. Heart, big heart attack. Yeah, heart. So I'm taking care of that kind of thing. Uh, I remember. How's his, the cholesterol? You know, I, okay. I you know I, I do everything I can, and I think it's uh, good. You got it's, the genetic thing though, like a little high. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It needs to be. Yeah. I need to do everything I can to make sure I'm doing good. I was at his funeral, of course. I remember his funeral when Your I father's. was my grandfather's. Oh, Joe. Um, yeah, Joe. When I was uh, very young, eleven, twelve, you know, and my my grandmother, of whom I spoke, who thought Chucky was always gonna. Come back. Come back. 
they said it was in a little, you know, wherever it was, funeral home thing, and somebody spoke. My dad didn't speak. It wasn't like yeah. Gary Shandling's right. Hollywood big, beautiful production. It was a little, little thing, and there was a sc- screen, and behind the screen was the casket. Huh. And then the, did we go back and see it? And then I think they said, all right, Lillian, his wife can come back, back and see it. And she went around. My dad was sitting sort of next to me maybe, and we hear from behind the screen a wail. My best friend! My best friend! You know, like that. Um, my dad looked sort of ashamed, sort of ashamed, but moved and disturbed and a little ashamed. It was more of a scene, I think, than he wanted at that point. And then we went on to the the grave site yeah. and as the casket was being lowered down yeah. Lillian um, started to wail again I think my best friend and started to try to climb into the hole mm. and needed to be restrained so sad it was sad shocking alarming and uh, I think to my dad also disturbing it's, yeah, emotions. So he was not a yeller or an emotional guy? Or? My dad um, was not, n- no, he was not a, he was kind of a very authentic, uh, real sort of guy with a big work ethic, um, lovely. We were, we'd go to the Steelers games all the time. What kind of doctor? Internist, general internal medicine, general like practitioner. A, made he had, a, the, had the he bag. Had, he had a bag. He'd go to people's houses. Right. Still made house calls. That yep. kind of things. Patients loved him. I think. Yeah. Um, my mom was kind of a bombastic, vivacious, uh, and had Your a mom. had a temper. Yes, and would be dramatical and histrionic. Here, what'd and there. she do? Oh, she raised us four kids and. Um, uh, and then took off after we left, was a sex therapist, so the, the legend has it, and uh, for a time, and went back to college and they, had, they, a, they had a radio show and, or something like that. They you separated? Know. No, no, no. They stayed together. And she was uh, she wanted to be in show business early on. Yeah. She, yeah, yeah. So she was a kind of a, an a you know, yeah. actressy type, yeah, yeah, a show, yeah. showy type. Funny? Um. <laughs> Well, hard to know, hard to know, hard to know, but complicated, <laughs> too, close. too close, too close, complicated <laughs> and, and, uh, dark and, uh, and, uh, uh oh yeah. And stars to guess. Yeah. It's a, a, a very, very, the big weather, lots of weather there, uh-huh. big weather patterns. Uh-huh. Uh, and my, so my dad was less, was less like that as you Didn't asked. have to be. Yes. Sometimes yes. that's the way it goes. It's like, there's a, there's one that, that sits <laughs> while the other one spins. Yigs. That was more like, like that. Although sometimes he'd blow. Oh, yeah. He'd blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd hear him blow. And when, you know, you could see when he was... And then, you know, he'd whip off his belt sometimes. He wouldn't, uh, you know, exactly oh, yeah? beat his... Yeah, but the threat was always there. You the know, belt. That. I mean, I can't imagine. We have an 11-month-old, you know, the hysterical chaos with four kids. I don't know how, how you do it. But, you know, it's not that he beat us. I'm not saying that. But uh, anyway, he was wonderful. But, uh, but after rick died if i'm not being too personal after rick died uh, now he was you know rick was 23 and he was you know whatever he's younger than me now he was in his 50s or something like that he would take to bursting into tears unexpectedly yeah bursting into tears uh, i also saw him burst into tears 
uh, when he saw me act on stage. He burst I, into tears? Yes. I, I, did a, I did a play early on in yeah. my 20s at the Phoenix Theater. Where's uh, that? City show in New York City. Yeah. It, was a, it, was a, it was a kind of, you know. He came up. Pedigreed, yeah. They came down to see that um, pedigreed kind of New York off-Broadway theater, and it was a premiere of a Stephen Polyakoff play. I had the lead part. I was uh, on the radio. I was played a disc jockey from... Uh, Liverpool or something, and so I had a dialect, and uh, it was a, it was a showy part, and I worked hard on it. And afterwards, and this is already after he'd seen Nashville, the Robert Altman yeah. movie, and he said something like, "Your dad he said he was what? What were you doing in that movie? What was I? Don't didn't get your part, you know, et cetera, et cetera." So I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I was the guy in the bike." So, yeah, yeah, I was like, "Oh boy, you you don't get it, you know." Yeah, geez, yeah. I was you know right. mad in a lot of ways, and uh, and uh, but he came back after that show, burst into tears and threw his arms around me. Oh, can you imagine? You did it. Well, something like, I don't know. I hit a chord in him. He wanted to be an actor and all that stuff. He's hey, proud of you. That's what you Yeah, mean. he was very proud of me. Yeah. Hey, do you like that play, Death of a Salesman? Yeah. I think, oh, geez, Arthur, I, I wish, well, I almost met Arthur Miller once, but that family, I love that play. And I uh, think that, that. The Dustin Hoffman, John Malkovich ooh, one? Oh, my God. Ooh. I loved I loved that. It was great. But I've seen many I've seen Lee J. Cobb not oh. on stage, but he was the original of the Olympic Zanch. No, I did. But, the but there's a one can get it. You can get that, you know. Lee J. Cobb was such a oh, fucking my monumental kind he of sh- presence. He sure oh. was. I wish I'd see well, you can see him in that. My dad saw him in King Lear. They used to go to New York to oh, see theater and they'd come back with an angry cast Jewish albums. Lear. Yes. He went and then he said, Listen to this. He said he wa- he met him on the street he ran into him he had a celebrity sighting my dad did went up to him and said mr cobb i just wanted to tell you i saw your king lear the other day and and it was just wonderful and he said and when he told this story and he told it many times several times he said lee j cobb at that compliment burst into a kind of smi- smile that was full of joy, he thought. So he he was remarking on, the point of the story was how much he loved doing it and how proud he was and how much he appreciated hearing this, you know, yeah. uh, like that. And he's the one, my dad said, you know, if you find something you really love to do, that's your vocational guidepost, and that's why I'm doing this. That's really when I figured out, when I had like an experience or two, when I thought, hey, I'm, this is, geez, I really love this. That's what I'll do. That's why I put two and two together. He's a very sensitive guy, despite himself, your father. He was a very sensitive guy. Yes, he had a of that era and of that generation a kind of restraint and some difficulties and challenges, but he was, of course, very. He had an art art in him in in, in a way, and and very very sensitive. So all right, right, so you decide your vocation is you know you're yeah. you're there in Pittsburgh, you're playing basketball, you've got a a brother that kind of opens your mind, you you got a mother who's uh, yeah. kooky but compelling, yeah. you know, a, a dad who's reluctantly supportive. Yeah, yeah, well, they were both finally, you know, uh, okay. I mean, he thought you know academics, you know, yeah. go to college and all that, but uh, I got into this school at seventeen, neighborhood playhouse, Sandy Meisner. He didn't know him, but uh, that's where you went. You audition for that i you didn't audition you just met sandy meisner and you went and met him and you went I, you took a trip from I took you a took trip. a train my mom helped me well she drove she what did we do 17 we, no, we must have dro- flown yeah because we'd driven we'd taken many road trips to uh miami beach we went to the fountain blue hotel once sure. mostly went to atlantic city of course, you New Jerseyan. So you don't know if you drove or you flew, but you go to New York well, we and go you're to meeting New York. with Sam yeah, from Meisner. Why did you find him? 
What, what drove you to that school? Well, and the interesting that you should ask, Mordecai Lawner. Oh, the guy uh, who you went guy, to the summer school. Summer school. I auditioned for Carnegie Mellon University was the only place good acting I, school. A good acting school. It's the only. I fell in love with it. Fell in love with yeah. acting. Every morning on the shower door, I would write, "Please God, let me be an actor." And there was a secret, so I'd wipe it off. But I was obsessed with it, so I auditioned for that school and I failed. I didn't get in. They rejected me. So I scrambled around, and Mordecai Lawner. Um, um, uh, I did a probably horrible audition. In fact, I did a scene from Death of a Salesman. I did Biff, who's th- having a midlife crisis at 35. I didn't understand. I couldn't have understood that at all. Yeah. I'm sure I was horrible. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but Mordecai Lawrence said, well, you might, might, might want to check out this school where I taught. And Sandy Meisner, he's the best. Anyway, that's how I found myself recommended there. And I had a meeting with him and he accepted me. What was that him. like? I mean, Sanford Meisner was part of the, was he part of the group theater was he part right oh, yeah uh, with uh with, with uh, Clifford Odets and, and Stella Adler and uh, Stella Louis Adler Strasberg, and Harold Florman yes. a real purpose a populist theater mm-hmm. movement oh if you haven't read, read about that for yeah. a few years yeah that was a big part of that th- that yes that and I think Sandy Meisner uh came out of that and formed his this teaching method what was your impression of Meisner as a 17 year old what did oh he was an impressive wonderful uh a figure of serious substance and imbued uh, you with you know how worthwhile and serious and beautiful yeah uh, this this life endeavor could be um, uh, it was something and he was so deep and authentic and already kind of realized in a way but you know what he was what he was also had his own uh problems i studied him over the years i taught that technique for years so i have my own convictions about many aspects of that but listen to this because i know a little bit about your our shared connection in this way you know who was in my class in 1970 um jonathan katz because we both did uh, I didn't know that about him yes now listen to this Jonathan Katz was in that class he could also be uh, what I was going to say is Meisner could be fierce and kind of cruel he was always frightening you either had to get on the high wire and do this thing it wasn't fooling around it wasn't Hollywood acting class type stuff where you came in from surfing uh, and was like hey I'll I'll toss this off you were either you know in it or not that's correct yeah Uh, it was a serious endeavor Jonathan Katz was in the class after a couple of months he said all right uh cats you know you you let's see your your thing jonathan did this thing we were he started his improvisation with this so-called um independent activity he was not doing really what the what one wanted what meisner wanted at that point obviously stopped it i think he slammed his hand on the desk or something he could be he was quick triggered yeah his even all his demeanor was uh, always a kind of a lesson in Ah, how hot and available one could be, you know, kind of thing. But um, so he said, stop right there. He said, you've been, uh, Jonathan Katz, you've been hiding for three months now or something like that. And now you do what, tell me what you're doing. What are you doing? Explain this activity. He says, I'm trying to think of all the, remember all the dead people I've ever touched which did not fulfill the assignment really for what we were getting at. You know, Meisner started to steam like Brando in One-Eyed Jacks or something. And he said, you listen to me. Uh, You've been hiding now for three months and now you come up with this. Take your things. Get out of here. You're out. 
you're out. At that point, you could feel your blood chill everyone sitting there as Jonathan pathetically uh, gathered up his things and walked to the door and, and got out. And that was the last we saw of him. And you can bet we all made a, we redoubled our efforts to, you know, do whatever we were doing. Well, what was the It exercise? was cruel. And it was, I believe, it was a little misguided. I mean, it, it, it worked on us, if that's what he intended. And Jonathan Katz, because I ran into him later, and then I did the show. I say, he said, you know, I quit after that. I never did anything for two decades or something. And then I'm doing that. You know, Mr. Meisner missed that he was an interesting and uh, resourceful and he had something to offer uh, that might have needed a little nurturing. I do believe. Currently. Well, I admit, but I don't think Meisner saw that as his job and it, and, and it infuriated him because I think that, you know, that standard that was set by Meisner and Strasberg uh, for acting classes where you you defer to this girl. Uh, this emotional wizard uh, to to sort of reveal yourself and trust the environment that you know they can tell if you're fucking around and you're not willing to take the risks and for whatever reason that you can't it's not their goddamn responsibility I, I hear what you're saying. I, 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 that's that's also correct. <laughs> you're both right. I'm the diplomat. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is that if you access the emotions necessary, that doesn't in and of itself guarantee that you're going to be a good actor. No. And there's some other combination of things, but in order to get to that place to do the work, if you've got what it takes, yes. is sort of necessary within this structure. Yeah. And you believe in this structure. Yeah. Well, what is this? What is the Meisner? What is the method? Well, I've talked to some people about it, and like really? I joke about it that you know, you know, when I knew people that were just taking classes and not necessarily in the school, that I think it was when Meisner had already passed, it yeah. became available for for sort of uh, weekend warriors and whatnot yeah. to to just take a class but mm-hmm. not be immersed in the mm-hmm. in the method. Mm-hmm. That the Meisner method was the repetition thing. It's somehow it's sometimes misunderstood as only that. Uh, well, it gets hacked uh, like that. That's my experience of it. Is that's like right. green. Green, 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 green. Yeah, but that's that's not it. I think it's it's misunderstood as that. It's uh, here's in a nutshell. I can't possibly give it any justice, but let me see if I can be clear in a second, in a very pithy second. Um, first of all, acting. Uh, I think he's well. It's uh, it's instinctive. He called it living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Okay. Uh, like Harold Clerman's book, Lies Like Truth. It really only means just pretend, but pretend good. Yeah. That's really what you're doing. So how do you how do you do that? He had a foundational program that lasted a couple of years. The first part of which uh, was set up so that his signature um, uh, uh, distinguishing feature that he really contributed, this improvisation, um, uh, came came at the beginning, uh, and so how, so it was the beginning of this pretending good business, living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Whereby I like that, yeah. Whereby you you, you had to start to the, the improvisation became a, a finally a, a, an improvised exercise where you're you're under imaginary circumstances and you have a, a an authentic living experience where you're present and open. And you live out these this this made up situation, uh, th- this business of working off the other person and your connection with the other person that is part of this and part of this technology of this mm-hmm. um, is like skating is to hockey. Mm-hmm. You can't play the hockey game until you know how to skate. So until you know how to go moment to moment, so to speak, where you can be where you really train yourself um, to be um, 
attentive, available, and to ev- to the other guy mostly, but everything that's going on around you. That's you're the not tricky just part. In, that's well. That's what you're training. There's a there's a technology for that, and he kind of developed this this thing that begins with this rep- repetition. So um so that's the first part of it. This communication. Yeah. Under. Imaginary circumstances. The second part, that's the incoming, yeah. where you listen. You can listen so attentively that you can repeat exactly what the other guy said. As a matter of fact, you can s- communicate to him what you got besides what he said. Yeah. Here's the way you said it. Yeah. And all the nuances thereof. Right. And then before you go on, you're part of the tennis, uh, when the ball is on your, your side of the court, you say, here's how you put the ball to me. Here's what I just got from you. And... Uh, and here's how I send it back, because this is how I feel yeah. about I'm going to now communicate to you in word or deed uh-huh. how I feel about what you've just said or how you've just said it. Right. In which demands that you open yourself up. So it causes you to be at once present and train yourself to be present and um, open and connect to your unique ch- channel of communicativeness yeah yeah yeah. so that's pretty good that's a pretty good start you're listening and you're answering and that starts to solve the problem of when you got a script hey let's pretend that i've never heard this before and uh, i'm going to take it in and i'm going to let your pinch produce an ouch in me that now generates what i have to do back to you that's kind of how life goes, and so it sort of simulates that under the imaginary right. circumstances. So it's very good in our world. It teaches you how to improvise, which is very useful in all kind of jobs that you may sure. get. Uh, but it also gives you technology uh, that that supplies the underpinnings of a Wes Anderson script or Shakespeare or Chekhov or David Mamet, where you got to say the words, but uh, have an alive experience and play the game of acting, which is this is like real life. I'm going to listen to you uh, and be available to you and uh, even if nothing different happens okay, well, and give it back to you pinching right. and ouching yeah. and then play the whole game and make, make a make a pretend uh, a scene out of it well, you, get, act, you get the idea I do and, I, and it makes sense to me and, and I appreciate all of that and, and I you know I, and I've always felt that those things were important to be emotionally present and open and listening and engaged with the other person now I'm no trained actor but I've done some acting lately and I've gotten better at it and it, the trick is is that you can do all those things but eventually you have to be comfortable <laughs> Yes. So, like you know, being present, well, yeah. you know, is good. But you know, to order to to appreciate the space that you're in, and then you know, because like the thing that always drops off for me when you tell me that is like, all right, you're pretending, but okay, so you're in a house and it's 1920, yes. and you know, how much do you take in? How do you register? What technology do you use? You know, outside of being present for the the pinching and ouching yes. to place yourself in an environment, yes. or say where when you're on a film to to return back after a three day uh uh whatever uh, a scene on an airplane to the emotions that are necessary uh to to play the rest of the scene before you get on the airplane like how what are the tools that you use for for being in the actual environment that you're pretending to be in other than the emotional connection and the pinching and ouching yes. and also returning back to the emotional state necessary to to pick up where you left off in film or television work well there are there, you're talking about many uh different things first of all the second year so-called of the meisner technique that first the the improvisation and some um improvisatory ways of handling early scene work is part of the first year the second work is basically in my view kind of what stella adler was doing which is understand the material now let's understand the play and do the play do the show and make it interesting and make Mm -hmm. it good um which involves um 
you know, um, you know, yeah, fully this is realizing my house. the situation. This is the yeah. Where if this is 1920, really under, you know, she would talk about, you know, understanding the, the music that you might be listening to then, you know, really all of that, doing whatever you have Suggestions, to do. Suggestions, right, right, yeah, right. To, if you're to in another least, time. But I guess only you know whether in, you really did that or not. And sometimes it doesn't matter if you're pretending well enough. Yeah, there's no formula right. to it. You know, yeah, 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 there's yeah. no formula to it. And the other piece of the the other thing you referred to this uh, requires what some people uh, call emotional preparation, mm-hmm. where if you're, you know, where you got to pick up from a scene where you just found out some horrible news or some wonderful news and you just got to start right there. Yeah. You, you have to possibly generate in yourself. You right. Know, Take the pick, second. Pick it up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, one, it's a very individual thing. Yeah. And after experience experimenting for several decades uh, with that, one can overemphasize preparation and and uh, the trying to generate things. The more I do it, I'm still conscientious and prepare in many ways. But but you can the given circumstances like Stanislavski said are kind of all you need at least for me at this point i don't like to go astray too much and bring music in with me and read a book yeah and go astray and try to and spend all morning trying to get myself in a condition <laughs> yeah, yeah i i'm more self-trustful at this point right and that can be overemphasized as that improvisation can be uh um overemphasized um uh whereby some first year meisner students can go that's it this feels so good this is all i want to do yeah and they'll never figure out how to learn lines and make them sound like improvisation or do the show good and understand the author's intent right a lot of it let's be honest is is either you got it or you don't well there's that too and it (laughs) yeah yeah and it means yeah you might either have a flair for it or not yeah and part of that flair is do you have an appetite do you really want to do it right are you crazy about doing it that's that's part of it so it it seems to me uh in looking at uh you know the 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 bulk of work which is a lot you've Mm. done a lot of work yeah but you certainly paid your fucking dues in terms of like you're in New York, you're doing Meisner, you, you get the play, you get the Nashville movie, you obviously got an agent, but you're doing whatever you can to get on camera. Yeah, yeah. I did. Well, it kind of happened luckily. I mean, it, I, I got the first thing and the second thing and one thing led to another. But I, like it, Death Wish was small. It was very small, but it was the first audition I ever went on, uh-huh. and that led to something else, and that led to something else, and I, I was lucky because I didn't know what I was doing. It takes, Meisner says, it takes 20 years to be <laughs> of real work to even call yourself an actor, and then a lifelong experience. I'm a late bloomer, and I'm a humble student, and I kind of follow that credo, and I'm still learning, and I got lucky that I got chances to learn on the job, and lucky that it was just little. Yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing and it wasn't to, I'm still learning now I'll tell you on the set last year I found out a lot of things that have transformed my work day. yep like what I, well this business about overemphasizing preparation I was still a little addicted to a year ago uh, overemphasizing for myself working too hard on getting myself into a condition and uh, or distract myself or or free myself Mm. so that when I had the the moment of the scene I was a little surprised or a little bit fresh or a little bit something that I thought or a little bit alive more alive than I thought I should be and I would drink a little bit of coffee too which is not the worst thing in the world but I've given that all up in the last year no coffee 
this is me, no coffee. Uh, and I don't drink it now. And yeah. I was not, not drinking too much of it, but it's like I, even the smallest kind of extra stimulation or performance enhancement, yeah. I kind of don't want to do now. Okay. Uh, it's just better for me. I kind of trust more than ever my own bones yeah. and blood and somehow and the scene and, you and my ability that. to solve the scene uh, at in the moment i still prepare from the day i get the part and sure. try to figure out what to do to make it good on the day yeah but when i get there yeah i don't want any books in my pocket or other right. you know conversation that i'm going to try to you know free myself or unnecessary you know right. etc etc yeah what do you think of that I, well, I think it's great. I think it seems that maybe Meisner was right. It takes at least 20 years. Maybe uh, not for more. For me, I, I, you know, if he set me up like that, I, I, I dig it. I'm glad. Hey, if I'd figured all this out in the first couple of years, I'd be bored. I think I'd be bored or doing something else. Now. <laughs> I'm still excited because <laughs> yeah. I, I want another opportunity now to try out my new, better self. Yeah. That comfort in your own skin, you, you know, is, is beautiful for you as an artist. But also, you always had your own time zone. That you're you're one of those guys that you know you you know just by your nature uh, you know you have a way of phrasing you have a way of being you have a way of taking information and even when you walked into my house you know you took things in and I'm like he's being so Jeff Goldblum uh, you know like uh, that it's uh, it's purely you and I think as an artist of any kind yeah. you want to arrive there you want to be comfortable enough to go you know I I, I know who I am yeah well Meisner said don't copy anybody just yeah. figure out who how you can do it uniquely he said that so i think i took that to heart i've tried to pursue that and yeah i just got i i think i was lucky somehow and again got a and got from i got a toehold in mm -hmm. something that was nourishing mm -hmm. and kind of followed it that's the other thing you hear a lot about choices making choices mm. it seems like that meisner was not too hung up on that well uh, that's right. I think his, uh, like I say, distinguishing uh, contribution was that first year that sort of opens you up. That is a very good method right, of, right. of really getting you. And then you do what you're going to do. And then he get kind of, uh, his second year, he's, it's, it's less distinctive, I think. It's yeah. more like what everybody else is trying to do, make it good. Yeah. Still Adler, make right. good uh, choices right. and figure right. out how to do it, make it interesting. And so, you know, he would kind of like, hey, you figure it out. You know, do it and do it a lot and you'll figure out how to make it good. Um, I, I, I like the other part. If you try to get through, you know, a, a, a play, really your whole adult career without doing that second part, it's like, as somebody said, trying to cross the uh, Atlantic Ocean with a uh, with a mix master strapped to your sure. patoot, you know. It's well, just, I, but it's, I think uh, that second part is also, uh, it's on the actor to integrate how they're going to bolster their personal craft. That, you know, like a, a, a system is only going to be a system to a certain degree, whereas like what you're basically saying to me is as you move through it and do as much work as you have, you're going to, you know, figure out your own means to get to these things. And also, like for me, the idea of making a choice, you know, once you get the emotions in place, and even in the small amount of acting I've done, that you want to stay, keep the emotions in place, but you might want to do a different line read. You might want to take a different action. You might want to surprise yourself in that moment to to to, to get the comedy out of it or the emotions out of it. And, and those are conscious things. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so, but I, I imagine that everyone, like The Fly was the big movie. That's, you're carrying the movie. You're the lead. You're the guy. You're the fly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're working with Cronenberg and it's yeah. insane. Yeah. And the makeup is insane. Yeah. And your performance is intense. Yeah. There's like the... The, the moment where where you're defending 
your decision. Like there's a moment there where you're you're, you're angry because you know you feel so good that you can't. Oh, how can this yeah. be wrong? That it was That's so right. drug addicty. You know, like just, what's the matter with you? I say you're jealous. That's what you are. You're, you're jealous. <laughs> don't put me. Don't clip my wings. You're. Uh, I'm free. I'm yeah, free. Yeah, Something yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Whatever I say. Uh, so, yeah. yeah was, I yeah. know. They had high <laughs> high moments that could have been good, and I tried to make them good. They were great. It's yeah. A great thanks, Cronenberg. It was is is uh you know he's a good he's good. Uh, he's got balls. Yes, yes. Visionary. Visionary, yeah, individual, yeah. unique. Yeah. He goes Takes his own chances. Way. Yep. Yeah. And then we were on the jury together at Cannes mm -hmm. some years after that, seeing a bunch of interesting movies. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cannes, is that fun? Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. You know, seeing I took the assignment seriously. We saw 22 movies in a couple of weeks and talking with interesting people. In Jurassic Park, you were great. I like. I was very excited about what you did with that character for some yeah. reason. Yeah, because yeah, like I, I was very aware of the leather jacket. I don't know whose choices yeah. those were, but I liked it. Thank you. What, were you pointing at yourself? I was, but then I <laughs> thought, thought better, better of it. <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Spielberg, it was all, all his design, but he was actually yeah. very trustful and uh -huh. very co collaborative. Uh -huh. And so I remember when I went in for the costume, saw the costumier, you know, uh, I had my own ideas and already done a bunch of shopping and said, how about this and this? And I think they took everything I uh, No, I, I thought it was got. good. It was and good. Often, you, had a, you sort of had a, a, almost an Elvis element, uh, like, a, yeah. like a rock star element to it. Yeah. And a yeah. rebel thing, right? Well, I knew it was a potentially, you know, what could be described as a, you know, science-y kind of mm -hmm. geeky guy, but I wanted to make it as yeah. cool as I Sex it could. up. Sex it up. Handsome I like man. Scientists are... are are cool you yeah know? sure neil degrasse tyson and yes you know they're important and cool the, the 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 real future rests in their their hands i I love them also like you you also did like a lot of the 70s television stuff and things that, <laughs> that was fun right uh, yeah it was when did yeah. you move out here i officially? moved out and so i so i graduated high school in the 70s i went to new york did that and then, yeah. then did start new plays and in in 70 74 i was in new york and then in 74 came out here after nashville some agent saw me said oh we'll come out here we'll show you around and then i never left so it's good times here. then yeah well i wish i'd kind of just like me you know as you know on a movie location, I don't really unwrap the whole city. Yeah. Uh, but besides my assignment, similarly in New York, can you imagine in New York in '75, yeah, yeah. I could have I could have gone places that I didn't. Yeah. And in L.A. in '75 to a, you know, I could have gone places I didn't. I had my, you know, feel of the tail of the elephant or the trunk or where whatever piece I was feeling. But that's yeah. about all. It was kind of it was it was interesting. But yeah, but like my, I become sort of fascinated with. Um, like I talked to Begley of all people, uh, who was, was phenomenal. I enjoyed talking to him, but I'm I'm sort of fascinated with this town at that time. Like he was around longer. You know, but, yeah, that's when we met. He and I've been, you know, yeah, in the know. mid '70s, yeah. where you know he was, was plenty, you know, different. No, and, absolutely, oh, yeah, he was drinking up a storm. Yeah. Sure, no, he 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 definitely talks about it, but sure. like also like like there was something about because when I see you in Altman movies and I see like a you know, a uh, Columbo on your credit sheet, you know, that, well, that I feel Blue, like the, the, Knight, the, the, I'm fascinated at the time when the business was smaller, the community was smaller, you know, people were out and around. There wasn't this uh, uh, fear of, uh, of, of paparazzi everywhere that you could go out for dinner and you'd see, you know, Nicholson, you go to Dan Tanis, you go, you know, to the rock club that there was a real sort of uh, a community to it that I romanticized, but it was yeah. real, right? 
yeah, I think it was. Like I said, I mean, I had my, you know, little corner of it that I experienced, and it was de- delightful, you know, running into Ed being in his circle and Cindy Williams, you yeah. know, at the time, and Fred Roos and uh, and Bruno Kirby. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah, uh, with whom I became very palsy, you know. What a mm-hmm. delightful, wonderful guy he was. Yeah. So it was very, very... Special, it was a special time. We studied with Peggy Fury. If you knew her, this acting teacher back then, I don't know her. Wonderful! Oh, she was just great. Is Bruno she still around? Turned me on. No, no, she's not. So now that you've well, you've been married what three times? Yes, I have. One first kid. This is the first kid, right? Yeah, now? yeah, that's right. Eleven months old. You're ten years older than me, or so. Sixty-three. Yeah, you're fifty-two. Yeah, yeah. I'm sixty-three. I'm October. Very, October twenty-second. I'm September twenty-seventh. Ooh, Libra. You're a Libra. Yeah. But, well, you brought it up. You hold you. you, you it's there's you. There's no credence in astrology. No, I know that. Okay. Do, do, do all everyone within the sound of our voice do they do they know that too? Well, we can tell them. But I, I just I'm trying to figure out like I'm looking for all the similarities. Judd Hirsch played Judd my Hirsch. father as well on what? my TV show. Yeah. On what show? On Marin on IFC. Really. Right. He's delightful. I just saw him last night. Yeah. He's a model of youthfulness and longevity. Yeah. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's like it's he's very interesting because he can work with all degrees of Jewishness. <laughs> like, uh, like, what do you can know? turn it up to 11 yeah. or be hardly, hardly Jewish exactly. Yeah. 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 We had well, to we had to turn down the Jew a little. Uh, uh, that was actually a note. Can that's we, the name of my book. Yeah. 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 The turn down the Jew a little. How crazy, Jewish were you brought up? Well, like, uh, you know, the Coen brothers, you know, uh, Serious Man, 1967. I love that movie. You know, it's barely, we went to this, we were the only Jews in this, um, uh, in West Homestead, where my dad was the doctor to these steel workers' kids, really. Right. Families. And that's who I went to school with. There was one little Orthodox (laughs) temple. So they sent us there, not really having any interest in it and we yeah. went to hebrew school and misbehaved there right. kind of was our chance to misbehave sure and that's then i had a for so to, to make speak, teachers which, cry that's yeah. what you do at hebrew school uh, trying to make what? teachers cry you, you made your, your hebrew teachers two of them yeah really horrible why what did you do that made him cry know, just a smart ass <laughs> i know it's one of the places i felt freer yeah and i felt kind of humorous too sure. this old jewish business made me feel a little bit funny and uh, but then I had this bar mitzvah that was a little performancey, sure. and that was kind of fun. But then we never did anything after that, right? Uh, and then I developed this sort of yogic kind of interest in the miraculous and all that. Really? Y- Do you yeah. have that still? Uh, well, it's a little, a vestige of it, um, but it's balanced now with a kind of interest in science. If I'm going to expose charlie to anything it'll be to uh, cosmos with neil degrasse tyson and uh you know you know with the real configuration of the universe yes i love poetry and i love the creative life which is the unseen and the imaginative and and uh, the spirits around us of yeah. course and all that but uh but read Carl Sagan's last book, The Demon Haunted World, that not only uh, says it's foolish to believe in fun, untrue things, but dangerous. Uh, so I, I have been reading Sam Harris and uh, uh, Daniel Dennett and uh, Christopher Hitchens and a lot of people like that. Um, because you were too much of a romantic uh, I'm not. I I love my ro- ro- romance, um, but I but I'm full of some half cocked ideas. Oh, and you uh, wanted clarity. I uh, yes, sir. I believe so. 
and uh, it feels like it's right for our moment. And also, it seems no. like it's informing, like you know, whatever experience you had about yourself on the set of Independence Day. That you know, the more clarity you get around what's real and what isn't, and whether or not you're full of shit or not, uh, can only help you be more true to yourself. Well, that sounds right, right to me. But whatever you're talking about, either the circumstances within the movie or me as the actor. No, by just saying in general as a person yeah. that if you're calling yourself out on your, you know, bullshit. Yeah. Well, there's that, yes. Yeah. And then some of these baloney ideas, which are uh, a little airy fairy, you mm -hmm. know, uh, are fine if they feed your gizzard, you know. Yeah. Um, but not fine like, for making you know global uh, decisions necessarily. Exactly. <laughs> we don't want to elect our uh, officials yeah. uh, if they're involved in any way based on their yogic practice. Exactly, or astrology, <laughs> or uh, you know, conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. God damn them, the ignoramuses. You yeah. know, who find themselves in these positions. Yes, who hear from this source and that source. Can you imagine? You can it's, pick whatever source you want. There's thousands of them now. Out outrageous. Of the you know. Learn the facts, uh, uh, my dear you gotta, fellow. And you got to search for those sometimes. Uh, yeah, yes. It, take, it takes a little effort. Put a little effort into it. Find the facts. Uh, find the facts. Find yeah, the facts. Yeah. So you know, you know what you're talking about. Not as sexy as the bullshit sometimes. It's sexier. Finally, if you put in the effort, yeah. it's much sexier. Neil deGrasse Tyson will tell you, you know, if you're the real configuration of the universe and the stardust from which we're made, uh, you know, co commonly is plenty poetical well okay well let's, let's talk about real things do you do you do you save the world again oh yeah i, I it's, a, it's a spoiler alert uh sure it's we 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 snatch victory from the jaws of uh imminent defeat uh-huh so it's touch and go but uh it comes down to the last uh, buzzer but uh yeah yeah uh you know really i was we, hoping for the the dark ending where well, where yeah i like those dark endings myself did yeah. you see melancholia uh, -uh. uh another ooh lars van trier oh no well that's charlotte gansbourg is in this movie and she's my cohort in a several scenes she was wonderful you know who she is yeah Charlotte Serge's Gainsbourg. daughter yeah Serge's daughter and she's in those Lars Van Trier movies Melancholia I saw what was the one I saw Maniac and Antichrist I don't I like uh, those are still on the list I saw the one about the family which was like uh, yeah celebration oh you're probably God. talking about oh yeah good stuff he's he's really interesting the idiots uh, yeah. you know breaking the waves breaking he's, the waves yeah. he's really good but those three movies and she's wonderful in them I she gotta watch them I've music. made like I want I've made a point to, like I gotta watch these but I haven't done it yet. Well, yeah well Melancholia is an end of the world movie but the world ends I hope I'm not spoiling anything and it's Kirsten Dunn's characters who's who kind of accepts it who's really smart and finally prescient about our place in the whole universe uh, and she says you know we're just evil we're just kind of an evil planet nobody's going to miss us in fact and then the world ends something like that well look it was great talking to you i guess we got to wrap it up uh, you're you're just uh, a wonderful fun. wonderful individual it was fun it was I, so I, I, fun. I i was very excited i knew we'd get along how big is your head i'd is say, that a extra I'd large? say seven, seven and a quarter oh yeah this hat was made for me. I just have a couple of hats, but yeah. I like this. Why? You want to try this on? No, no, I'm not a hat guy, but I you have know? a hat that a guy sent me. Oh. That one's there, but that one fits me. Oh. But, it, but I don't think you could wear the hat that was sent me. I shouldn't take anything more into my home. I like to, I'm a de-accumulator. And so I'm, I'm very careful. That. Yeah. But I sort of de-accumulate into this space. Oh, I see. I see. 
Well, this is a beautiful artifact. This is a this is an installation. Yeah, this it isn't is. a hoarding a hoarder's. Right. Uh, well, I got to keep it dusted. Like that was the weird thing is that yeah. like I like I realized that like everything's here, but like I wasn't really dusting, so it started to have have a sad museum vibe. You know, like <laughs> like a roadside museum yeah, where, where they don't dust and there's cobwebs. Yeah, and I'm like, I know. I don't want people walking in going like it's a little grimy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no. like, well, you got to get your your your, your lady Lupe? To, Lupe to do all all her dusting in here. Hey, I, I just read that article about Louis C.K. in mm-hmm. New York Magazine. Did you read that? No. Very, I thought that was a very inspirational and interesting article. Oh, yeah? Right now in, in New York Magazine. Brand yeah. new. Yeah, and I know you did that uh, the number Horace one. I got, but I haven't heard it. I got The a, first interview was years ago. Then I just did one I got uh, they, that's still up there where we only talked about the creation of Horace and Pete. The got other right. one you got to... I'd have to send it to you, the two-parter. I'd love to. I want to. I'm so interested in it. Well, I have. Do I have your contact? I think I do. Lake. I'll Bell. give you everything. Okay. Lake Bell. She's the one who said made me of come course. after you. I'm only remembering now. I didn't yeah. remember that. Of course. Yeah. I love her. She's like, got to talk to Jeff, and then I texted you, and we, we kind of went back and forth. <gasps> now and it's all coming back to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Yeah. My uncle Ben. He went to Alaska. My brother Ben went to Alaska. That's yeah. the death of a salesman. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. He went to Alaska. <laughs> I should have followed him up there. Why didn't I follow him up there? Oh, oh for well, you would have froze up there. Oh, ah, yeah. what do you know? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We ought to do that play. Or the two gents. Two gents is what we should do? Yeah, it's a singing though, right? That's all singing. Well, you're, you're a good singer. I could do it. Sure you could. Yeah. Uh, where's North? I have the compass. Yeah. That'd be funny. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Oh, what, that was fun, man. He's exactly how you want him to be and exactly who he is. And happy birthday to his kid today. And, uh, you know, obviously you can see uh, Independence Day Resurgence. It's now in theaters. WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get some posters, there's cups and things, and all my tour dates are there. The episodes are there. You can get Howl, uh, the uh, app there, Howl.fm for all the archives. You know, do the thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little nauseous. Am I playing guitar today? What do we got going? What do we have going? This is a, a, a Les Paul custom straight into a. Old Fender champ with a little bit of reverb.